the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red blood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. The roster for the University of Colorado football team is up to 75 members, with only 10 more scholarships available for the 2023 season. I am joined for this episode by Brad Geiger, and we will be taking a unit-by-unit look at the current roster and which holes still need to be filled by the start of fall camp. So, does CU dare go into the season with only Shadur Sanders and two true freshmen in the quarterback room? Is there a unicorn out there, being a quarterback with starting experience, who is still willing to be a backup to the coach's son? Or is the Buff Nation destined to spend the entire 2023 campaign fearful of an injury to its starting quarterback? Can we consider the offensive line upgraded when five of the 11 new linemen entered college with zero Power 5 scholarship offers? Will the recent flood of defensive line commitments be sufficient to shore up one of the worst units on the 2022 team? Will the star quality in the defensive backfield be enough to carry the defense to significantly improved numbers this fall? Let's find out. Okay, and we are back, and I am joined by Brad Geiger in Islands Ranch, Colorado. How's Brad doing? Brad's doing real well. Had tornado warnings earlier today, but they seem to have cleared off, and we're safe and sound and a bit damp. Well, some well, if April showers bring May flowers. What do May showers bring? I mean, uh, grumpy dogs who don't get to go for a walk. Yes, something <laughs> along those lines. Less golf, you know. So, uh, well, unfortunately for our listeners, we're going to have to wing it without Neil Langland today. So, sorry, folks, you are stuck with just Brad and I, and our banter of four decades plus will have to uh, suffice for what we're going to talk about, but. Here we are, post-spring ball, talking about adding players to the lineup. Colorado going for the mythical, magical 85 scholarships. As we talk, CU is about 10 or 11 scholarships short of the full roster. Well, Brad, I guess before we talk about any specifics, I guess, do we have a team that can play? Because the NFL goes with 53 players and FCS schools have to play with 63 players. So 
if CU has 74 scholarship players, they should be in pretty good shape for fielding a team on September 2nd? Well, I'm not as worried about it as some because one of the reasons you have 85 scholarships is that you have a number of people who aren't going to play. That's what you're building depth on. That's what you're dealing with freshmen and that kind of thing, trying to bring them along. Um, on any 85-man roster, there are 10, 11, 12 guys who don't play. That said, they do practice, um, and we'd rather not, as good as some of the incoming freshmen are, we'd rather not to rely on them as much as we might have to this year. So, yeah, there's a, a legitimate concern about sufficient depth at this specific moment. A lot of time between now and kickoff against TCU. Okay. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to go through each unit and try and Nostradamus which uh, which positions are going to end up with those 10 or 11 players that are still going to be added to the roster. And just kind of take a look at what, you know, come in and what's gone out and how uh, much the unit might have been improved uh, since we last saw it on November getting crushed by Utah at home at Folsom Field. So start with the quarterbacks. Yeah. University of Colorado currently has three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. Shadur Sanders and two true freshmen, Ryan Staub and Casey Weissman, and five have gone out the door. All five of the scholarship quarterbacks from last year. And they've all found a home. Well, no, Drew Carter hasn't found a home yet, but Brandon Lewis went to Nevada, JT Shroud, Arkansas State, Owen McCown, uh, Texas San Antonio, and Maddox Cop, Miami of Ohio. So I guess the quarterbacks that went out the door did not find greener pastures. They found pastures, but not necessarily greener pastures. Uh, I think probably any Buff fan that you would talk to would say the consensus would be that one or maybe even two of the scholarships that are still out there should go to a quarterback. Is that a fair statement? Pretty obvious one? Oh, undeniably. We've been saying this for some time now that you know, Shadur Sanders is a substantial perhaps vast improvement over every quarterback we had on the roster. That said, having somebody, having two true freshmen back him up is not what anybody would root for. We need that unicorn. We need a upperclassman quarterback who's played some and who we think can come in and play, but who doesn't mind playing behind a junior coach's son. Where that person is, is difficult to predict. Um, I am sure the coaches are scouring all kinds of options to try to find somebody, maybe a sophomore who wants to move up from a non-power five, whatever. But it's going to be, that's going to be the focus this summer. Who else can we bring into that room? Yeah, I think that's, I don't think there's anybody on the coaching staff that would disagree with that, especially with a running quarterback. We don't want to be cringing every time that Shadur Sanders takes off and runs out of the pocket and end up with a, a true freshman being the starting quarterback for 10 or 12 games. So running backs, not a whole lot going on there. There's only three scholarship running backs left on the team, including Anthony Hankerson, Hankerson, who's a holdover, one of the few, one of the dirty dozen that survived the purge. And another is, you know, Dylan Edwards, a four-star freshman, of course, the flip from Notre Dame. And you've got, Kaviasi Smoke coming in from Kentucky, the graduate senior, but, well, we only got 
10 or 11 scholarships, but I'm guessing you think that one of those should go to running back as well. I just don't see how we could not, you know, again, if I got, to, if we got to construct it, it'd be somebody who could run a little bit between the tackles. So really somebody who could take some, um, take some of the carries. We don't know what smoke can do. There's a lot of potential there. Um, and we do know that I think Edwards is going to see quite a bit of the, of the, quite a few of the snaps, but you know, I don't think most power five are going to go power five programs are going to go into the season with three running backs in their room. And there are running backs in the portal, people who've been rumored to come to see you. I think that's an easier position to recruit than quarterback. Um, sure. So I would be surprised if we don't get, I would bet two more into that room. Yeah. And I don't like to normally spend a whole lot of time on official visitors and speculations, but the running back out of Houston, McCaskill, I mean, certainly been rumored about coming to see you. I think he has the official visit this weekend. So maybe there's going to be a commitment by the time some of the people li listen to this podcast. And then there's a running back out of South Carolina that people seem to think might be a potential because you can sell the idea of a running back, even though you have quality running backs on the roster currently, because there's going to be situationals, third down, passing, you know, that type of short yardage. There's lots of ways to convince running backs to come onto the squad, even if you've got a starter to kind of lined up. Hopefully, well, maybe this, who knows? You would think that the wide receiver room is finally done. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there were 10 scholarship wide receivers last year. All 10 of them are gone. Now, a couple of them graduated, and Daniel Arias decided to try out for the Arizona Cardinals was a better option than staying in Boulder. So seven were asked to leave or chose to leave. Uh, Jordan Tyson's already found a home in Arizona State. You know, don't wish him ill, but it would be nice no. if some of our better players didn't choose to play against the University of Colorado in the upcoming seasons. But 12 incoming wide receivers the only thing i think you could say there is that six of them are freshmen yeah and that doesn't include travis hunter who may very well spend some time at wide receiver and you got a couple of four-star wide receivers coming in as freshmen but even with all the youth um, there is some talent there Several four stars, high three stars, a bunch of people with a bunch of recruits. Jalen Ellis, you know, had 18 power five offers, you know, and stuff like that. And he can you come and do us from Baylor. I, I would think if you get you're down to a limited number of scholarships available, that even for skill position happy CU and under Coach Prime, that we've got enough wide receivers. It, it feels like a little bit of a hoarding problem. In the wide receiver, <laughs> the past coaching staff hoarded mediocre tight ends. Um, the current <laughs> coaching staff never saw a kid who could run four two or four five that they didn't want in here. And I think, as a matter of fact, I'd be surprised if all of these are still here at the end of fall practice. I don't think, I don't expect another one to come in, but we shall see. Yeah, they they seem to have a craving for wide receivers. And if one comes around, they just seem to uh, want to go flirt with them. But there is quality there. 
lots of high, you know, players that either played at schools like Auburn or Baylor, or you got the two USF uh, running or wide receivers coming in. Seems like there's lots of people to throw the ball to. And I don't know if they can really afford to spend another scholarship on a wide receiver with the limited number they've got left. But speaking of, you know, hoarding, you know, tight ends, well, (laughs) CU doesn't have any tight ends that they've recruited anymore. Um, We used to have a bunch of tight ends. They're all sophomores. There's only three left. And they're all tight ends that, well, were on the team last year, uh, which is almost unbelievable. So, yeah, we're down to a dirty dozen, a full quarter of the dirty dozen are tight ends. I think probably had what, maybe it was nine catches between the three of them last year, something like Mm -hmm. that, which is absurd. And uh, the one tight end that they brought in, Traore from Arkansas State that had 50 catches, is now back in the transfer portal. So what do you think happened there? And do you think that are they just content with having three blocking tight ends and we're just going back to CU, the place where tight ends go to, you know, witness protection program, or do you think they're going to try and find another one? I think, I mean, if you look at the depth chart and how many wide receivers and how many tight ends we have, I think we're going to play a lot of four and five wide receiver sets would be my guess. And again, we have quite a few guys in the offensive line um, room. So I suspect some of those guys are going to be lining up in the tight end position. I just, they're based upon the transfers and what the coaches have done. I don't think this is going to be a tight end centric offense. Eric Olson, Fourier, there's some talent there, um, but they are yet again, going to be occasional receivers. I don't think Brady Russell would catch a lot of passes in this offense. So uh, again, would we, if if we saw a big guy who was a little older in the portal, they might look at him, but I don't think it's going to be their first, second or third choice. Yeah. So what do you think happened with Traore? I mean, you got a guy that was one of the top tight ends in the portal you know, everybody seemed to think very highly of him. It's 50 catches. And yes, it was Arkansas State, but 50 catches anywhere is pretty impressive. And yet you have Sean Lewis coming in as the offensive coordinator. And Traore had more catches last year than all of the tight ends at Kent State had for the last three years combined. Yeah. So was it Traore not understanding what the Sean Lewis offense would look like? Or are the Buffs just saying we've got a a top tight end that's interested in us. So let's go get him. And it just didn't work out. I just, I'm not sure what happened there. Well, and he was one of the few guys who was specifically pointed out for not a great work ethic. He got called out and it it just seemed like he is something about either his game or his personality never really fit the team. And, um, you know, sometimes it's not about position. Sometimes it's, even a little less about skills. And sometimes the guy just doesn't fit. And I don't know who made the decision. He didn't fit. Um, I suspect it was mutual, but that was, that was one of the weirder things because we all kind of assumed he was coming in to be the starter. Yeah. We were pretty excited to have a pass catching tight end, which pass catching tight end in the university of Colorado, are not two things that get put in the same sentence very often. 
or at least not, not in the last years. two decades. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> so we did get any number of new offensive linemen. Too bad Neil's not here to vouch for his favorite position, but we got 11 new offensive linemen, two holdovers. So we got 13 offensive linemen at this point. But we also had two, four, six, eight, nine leave, including Yusuf McGarville, who came and went. Two starters left. You want to talk? Let's first talk about that. You know, we you know, Casey Roddick was a starter. Now he's going to be playing for Florida State. Jake Wiley was a starter. Now he's going to be playing for UCLA. So there were two players that this staff didn't like or they didn't think it was a good fit or the players thought they could do better elsewhere that went to a power five school, which is, I think we're going to find out of the 55 plus players that are leaving that probably 20% are going to end up at power five schools, but two starting offensive linemen. Now, starting offensive linemen for a god-awful offense, but we're touting the fact that we have starting linemen coming in from other schools. Is it, you know, one of the bigger losses of the offseason to have two offensive linemen head off to two other Power 5 schools? Well, those two offensive linemen in particular, yeah. Those were the two I was was concerned about that and Jordan Tyson leaving when they left. And we... We don't know. We don't have the first clue. Well, we know probably three fifths of the offensive line, but you know, it's that's where we can have, we're going to look at that line the most at that position, the most with the exception of quarterback in the fall to see what comes together and how this works. Why they left again, they may have taken the position that when prime said, clear out and find your space. They had offers. They had they had opportunities, and they, I suspect, knew they had opportunities. The idea that there isn't recruiting before the uh, transfer portal is not <laughs> something I'm willing to accept as a given. So I'm I am and have been and remain concerned about the offensive line. I think the room's big enough. I think the people they've brought in are probably close to as good as the people we lost. So it's just it's a matter of finding which five or six guys are going to work. And that honestly worries me. Um, and yeah. I suspect it worries the quarterback. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that they would uh, be very interested in protecting their franchise, which is Shadur Sanders. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about a lot of the players that are coming in, a lot of the recruits, a lot of transfers were starters for their former schools. So that's the glass half full. And yeah. that includes two starters for Kent State last year. Uh, Savion right. Washington and Jack Bailey played side-by-side side for Sean Lewis, not to mention also their offensive line coach at Kent State. So not that they're necessarily going to be penciled in as starters right away, but you think that there's some continuity there that they know the offense, they know their line coach, and they know their offensive coordinator. So – Let's do first the glass half full that we have players coming in that not only, you know, have playing experience, but have starting experience and spent a good portion of last year and maybe last couple of years starting for their respective teams. Mm -hmm. So 
let's take the glass half full approach. That sounds pretty good that we have Christian Lichtenhan and Van Wells, a tackle in the center. They're coming back as starters. You know, we need to find three more. You might have two of those from Kent State. Maybe there's at least a starting five or six or seven, like you're talking about, that, you know, maybe the depth's not as much as we'd like to have. Um, the experience might not be as great as we want to have, but it does seem that we should be able to find five starters out of that group mm -hmm. of 13. Yeah. I mean, that's the glass half full. The glass is perhaps a quarter full against TCU. Trying to figure out this line's not going to be good the first couple of games, I fear. And unless it improves rather quickly, I mean, Washington is massive. I mean, we're going to have big boys on either side of the line. They will, they will cast some shade. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there, there is, I think there is some talent out there now, how that's going to all come together. I, you know, our offensive line coach is like a TV cliche of an offensive line coach, um, you know, gruff and never, nothing's ever good enough and that kind of stuff but he's going to have to do some really strong work in August. Yeah. Well, on the glass half empty side, and this is something I've been working on. It'll be on the website uh, this weekend, do the offensive side of the ball on Friday and the defense on Sunday, because there's a lot of content here. What I did, I went through and looked at all the recruit, all the recruits coming in 60 plus all the ones going out 60 plus what were their star ratings out of high school and how many power five offers they had. Mm -hmm. And obviously that doesn't mean anything about anything, you know, that, you know, but it's a starting place when you are trying to compare apples to apples. And just to give you two examples, you know, you've got smalls coming in as defensive line. It was five star Washington didn't play the first two years. Yes, he's playing behind somebody that might be in the top 10 in the NFL draft, first first round NFL draft next year, wants to go and play. So maybe as good as we think he's supposed to be. Nico Reed was a two-star player, uh, two-star recruit and power five offer of one, University of Colorado. And we obviously think a lot more of Nico Reed. So accepting the fact that star ratings are subjective and power five offers don't necessarily mean quality i went through the the offense i went through all the units and i'll post it on the website but the offensive line recruits coming in this is what kind of worried me a little bit there are 11 of them coming in and out of that five of them had zero power five offers out of high school so we got players from jackson state two from kent state missouri state junior college two out of junior college uh, Liberty. So yeah, we might have some starters coming in, but they're not playing against defensive lines of USC and Oregon. So on the glass half empty side of thing, not only is continuity going to be an issue, but maybe Brad, we don't have uh, proven starting talent. Not at power five level, not at pack 12 level. It's, Again, it's concerning. And, you know, offensive line is a position where CU's always tried to make up for lack of talent with better coaching, and that has not always worked. And, you know, last year we were woefully under-talented. 
People yeah. made fun of how badly, how bad our talent was on the offensive line. I'm like you. I don't know that we, that that has changed. And yeah. That concerns me. Yeah. So we do have more bodies. We do have people that have started, but yeah, they're going to have to come to quit, come together pretty quickly. But in Coach Prime, we trust, and we trust that he would not put his son in danger. So <laughs> we're going to assume that the offensive line, and maybe with the you know one two throw the ball offense, the offensive line doesn't have to be great. Um, right. Sanders and the speedy receivers can connect within two seconds. It doesn't matter how well they block because they only have to basically stand in the way long enough for the ball to get out. Yeah, there's um, not going to be a lot of seven-step drops hold the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to – everybody go long. You know, that's – Yeah. We're going to have other options. Uh, moving to the defensive side of the ball, there's been a lot of movement, at least in terms of numbers, for the defensive line in the last – I think over the span of three days, we got four defensive line recruits this past weekend. So the numbers are improving considerably. Do you think that we are done? Well, I guess I should go back and say, do, we got 13 offensive linemen. Would you agree that we probably would take, not that there's any, you know, starting left tackles that are going to go to the NFL <laughs> in the portal right now, but no. do we have enough depth at offensive line or is one of our 10 or 11 scholarships going to go to an offensive lineman, do you think? That feels like a position where we're going to swap out skill. I, you know, it, it, um, yeah, I think if, if a highly talented young man came in that we'd look at it, but even then we might not have the guys that we have there and, and attrition on the offensive line is something that happens. So I think it's unlikely unless again, somebody with a great deal of talent at a power five type school decided they wanted to come looking. And I don't know that that guy's in the portal. Yeah. Okay. Well, the defensive line, uh, kind of, you know, again, when you're dealing with edge rushers and line outside linebacker, I mean, it's kind of a gray area, how you're doing, defining your terms, but we look at it as defensive tackles versus and edge rushers. And right now I think we're up to like 16 yeah. defensive linemen, um, between the tackles and the edge with the addition of, uh, Zach Blackwood coming in from Garden City Community College and Arden Walker. Yay! Um, we, yes. Uh, the guy who got of, away. None <laughs> of our legacy, Arthur Walker. If you go back and watch tape of the uh, 1986 Nebraska game, you're going to hear Arthur Walker's name. And he was part of the 89 undefeated regular season number one team. So uh, obviously good to get a Cherry Creek, you know, Colorado player coming from the state of Colorado. Uh, what do you make of the influx of defensive linemen? And do we have enough now? Do we have enough quality ones? Well, we, ha we have enough. And I think with Smalls and Walker, we are substantially better at the edge. I like, I, I think this is a unit where we are better than at the beginning of spring practice. I think there are people there who can uh, play Bishop Thomas can play Arden Walker. And like I said, smalls, I think can play. So I, I do believe, because again, that was, yes, we lost two potential starters off the defensive line, 
Um, if there was a group that was worse than our offense line last year, it was our defensive line. So um, I, I feel much better about this group than I did in March. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm very excited about getting Arden Walker in here and Savelle Smalls. I think he yeah, may not be a five-star player, but he's probably going to be a four-star player. Yeah. And considering the University of Colorado had no four-star players, I, I think, on the entire roster, at least nobody that left was a four-star recruit going out the door. So, yeah, to get Smalls in here, McClendon, you know, was one of the first recruits that we got out of, you know, out of Florida State, and they've been talking highly about him. Yeah. The, the only distinction, again, this is my own fault, this, you know, drawing a distinction between defensive tackles and edge rushers. Well, I divided out Bishop Thomas, who you mentioned, out of Florida State. You know, he was one of the four, he was a four-star recruit, had a bunch of power five offers. The rest of them, though, um, yeah. you know, there's some two stars and there are two of them were two stars. One was unrated at all. That was Blackwood and a couple of three stars. So along the defensive tackles, we might on the interior of the defensive line, we might still be looking for another big body, plant themselves in the middle and take up two blockers. But on the edge rusher side, though, you got a lot of good talent. So, yeah. you know, that's. They were looking for speed on the outside. They were looking for somebody that could rush the passer. We've got guys, you know, that by themselves had more sacks than CU as a team last year. <laughs> that CU had nine in 12 games. So edge rushers, I'm pretty excited about. Defensive tackles, if they could find another one. Or, yeah. you know, that, again, we're down to sifting through not the best quality at this point. But I wouldn't be surprised if we're not quite yet done even with the influx in the last week or so of defensive linemen i wouldn't be surprised if we you know picked up another one or two before we're done with the 10 scholarships we got left over and by the way i mean i keep waffling between 10 and 11 because it depends on why not you count shiloh standards the other coach the other son that's also coming from jackson state by way of south carolina he has graduated from Jackson State, so he is eligible, but officially hasn't committed to the University of Colorado. And we were talking about a little bit off air before we got on here. It'd be nice maybe with dad, who has plenty of money. Well, hell, Shadur has enough money to pay his brother's tuition. Maybe he just comes as a preferred walk-on and saves a scholarship. Um, yeah. But doesn't, we'll see. So it's either, if you count, the other Sanders, then we're at 75 scholarships. If you don't, then we're at 74 at this point. So we're talking about 10 or 11 available between now and August 1st. Mm -hmm. So anything more about uh, defensive tackles, edge rushers, before we go on to inside no. linebackers? Yep. Okay. Um, inside linebackers, we had seven go out the door. Taylor Upshaw, who came and went, you know, Went to Arizona. We hardly knew him very long. Aubrey yeah. Smith went to Houston. Edgar Amaya went to North Alabama. So we had some linebackers leave, and we have some sticking around. Uh, Marvin Ham and Isaac Hurtado are holdovers, part of the mm -hmm. Dirty Dozen. And then you've got 
um, a five-star recruit, uh, Kennedy. I think he, he was uh, Florida State, right? I believe. No, Alabama. He's one of yeah. the Alabama guys that played for our defensive coordinator, or at least mm-hmm. was aware. You know, our defensive coordinator was aware of him. And Levanta Bentley's been getting lots of reviews. He's a four-star recruit. So, yeah, there's some talent coming in. Talent lost, and we actually had some starters. Uh, you know, a couple of our top tacklers of last year's team were in the inside linebacker position. Uh, we're right now at nine. You think that's enough, or is there uh, room for another one? I wouldn't be surprised. We don't know for sure what the defense is going to look like. Right. We're, we're not sure if we're – I think we're a 4-3, but we may not be. More and more, that kind of thinking sounds like I'm the old guy telling people to get off my yard. <laughs> <laughs> I think this defense is going to be – you know, find very much your best 11 guys. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the find seven big guys and five not so big guys, and here we go. So I, to, to whatever we call a linebacker, I like our linebackers. Uh, if we could find, particularly, I think, another run stopper, yeah. that would be nice. I, I'd say this, that is the number one, the, the thing that I'm kind of missing. I mean, there are no more Greg Beekerts. There are no more Chad Browns. I have to deal with that as a there are you know <laughs> deal with that as a reality. Um, but they're there. Uh, they just ran out of eligibility. Yeah. So, and, yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's. I think particularly the front seven is going to be a lot about coaching and scheme. I think the guys are there in whatever combination, and I think I think we're going to be seeing a lot of different combinations, especially first three four weeks. Yeah. And I think maybe the only other reason I was interested in getting another inside linebacker is that, yes, we do have nine, but three of them are true freshmen. Yeah. Victory Johnson, Morgan Pearson, Kofi Taylor Barracks. Those are all recruits of, you know, mm-hmm. the Coach Prime era, but they're all freshmen. So yeah. even though they've got, you know, good ratings and lots of Power 5 offers and stuff like that, they are still true freshmen. And at some point, we got to look past 2023. Um, I know Coach Prime is about winning now, but there's going to be players on this team in 24, 25, and 26, and those players might blossom into something, but I don't think we should expect or demand much out of them other than special teams maybe in in 2023. Yeah. Um, Well, then turning to Colorado being defensive back university again, um, (laughs) BBU, you have to – I mean, good God, the the cornerbacks. Yeah. Carter Stoutmeyer, the freshman coming in along with Cormani McLean. I mean, he's the he's the only guy that didn't have at least a dozen power five offers, you know, coming out of high school. You've got, of course, Travis Hunter and Cormani McLean, both five-star recruits, both top 10 recruits in the country out of their respective classes. But then, you know. Kendrick Breedlove and Jacques Robinson, four-star recruits. I mean, Robinson had 22 Power 5 offers. Omar, Omari and Cooper had 19 Power 5 offers. I mean, those are just the, the cornerbacks. Um, yeah, and then, and then you know, Miles Slusher. And, yeah, you, know, you get the safeties and, yeah. yeah. 
Um, Slusher was a four-star player, 24. I mean, we've had, seems like CU has had classes that didn't have 24 power five offers. No, um, and and one of the guys who didn't have a lot of power five offers is Trevor Woods, and we know he can play. Yes. Yeah, he's one of the, yeah, he can, he's older, and he, he might move up to be one of your linebacker guys, one of your run stopper guys, because yeah. you've got actual safeties that can run with people back there now. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a knock on, you know, Trevor Woods, not that he can't, doesn't try, he just doesn't necessarily have the speed um, yeah. to be a safety at some of the, against some of the teams we're going to play against. But yeah, compared to what's going out the door. And again, take it with a grain of salt that Nico Reed was out of high school, only a two-star recruit, but out of the two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14 defensive backs <laughs> that are gone out the door, uh, Kayla Moore went to Cal and, you know, I'm sure Nico Reed will land on his feet, but a lot of these other guys, they're just, a, it's a lot of bodies, you know, yeah, I, I think just... it's, you could package them into something, but you need yeah. two or three of them into, to make them one Travis Hunter. Right. Well, and in like Silman Craig, who wasn't that was not at all considered a good player coming out of high school. Coaches love him. Yeah. They think he can play and they, you know, let's see, should I let internet pundits tell me who's good at cornerback <laughs> or Deion Sanders? Yeah. I, you um, know, um, this is not that again, it's funny to say in prime, we trust, but on who can cover somebody. Yeah. I, I believe if, if Deion Sanders says kid can start, I think Deion Sanders knows that the kid can start. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised because just as much as they like hoarding wide receivers, they seem to like signing defensive backs. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if another speedy cornerback or safety mm-hmm. were to join the team, but yeah. I'm not a hundred percent. I mean, there's, there's only like 11 and we had yeah. like, like 13. So, I mean, it's not uh, a huge drop off in terms of numbers, but the quality has just been drastically improved. Yeah, um, I mean, if they could, if they could find uh, a safety you could hit, who could both contribute on special teams and and come in and back people up, I wouldn't be shocked if that guy got it. Well, maybe you know, Mark Perry will come back. Maybe he'll, you know, yeah, we'll just steal Mark Perry from the TCU sideline and say, "Get back over here!" You. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a small linebacker, a big safety, something like that. Yeah. So going back, we've got, we'll say, we'll say I have 10 scholarships to give out. Okay. So quarterback, definitely. At least one running back. Fair enough. Fair enough. A tight end, if, if by some stretch of the imagination, they actually want to use tight ends. I mean, maybe Lewis Passarello is going to surprise us all. He's one of those guys that got his number right. know, during spring break. So they, Louis Passarello impressed somebody. Maybe not a wide receiver, but probably an offensive lineman. Yeah. Would certainly be welcome. Never say no to another big run-stopping defensive tackle. Right? Right. Uh, inside linebacker, definitely. Edge rusher, if one's available. 
I think um, that would be he'd have to he'd have to out talent anybody we've got. Uh, yeah, I I don't you know I don't know if there's enough yeah out there. If we were if we were in December looking for an edge rusher, I'd say definitely you want to add that another one be mm -hmm. looking for it. But I'm not convinced in late April, early May, going on into June that there's going to be that guy available. Right. But that being said, Savelle Smalls, two years ago, a five star top 30 in the country yeah. recruit was still available. So maybe there's somebody we don't know about, but how did you fill it out? I mean, if you've got maybe five or six or seven that we know of, then just bonus picks or you want to save them for the class of 2024 at that point? I, well, and I still, again, when we talked about we could use a safety, there's that Sanders kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I still think it's likely that that's going to fill in another one. Yeah, I I would be if they came into this season with 80 scholarship players, would anybody be shocked? I I don't I don't think so. I think you know, having five more next transfer portal or next recruiting group would be completely consistent with what this group does what this coaching staff does. Yeah. Um and they're going to have to come up with some room for the class of 24. I think there's only about a mm -hmm. dozen Maybe not even that many seniors at this point. Now there's some <laughs> juniors that you know could potentially go to the NFL mm -hmm. if we're lucky at you know at some point. But yeah, if we're going to have a bunch of new people come in, they're going to have people going out. So they might save a few for the future, or maybe Charlie Offerdahl will finally get his scholarship. <laughs> if you want to have four scholarship running backs. Charlie offered all is your man. Well, uh, he's the guy, he's the guy in the room. Yeah. You know, and, and there is, if you have that leftover scholarship that he's the kind of guy that last day of fall practice, you put, you bring them all together and give Charlie the, the scholarship and it makes, you know, and it blows up TikTok. and I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that'd be fine. And we've got our kickers, we've got two scholarship kickers and a scholarship punter. So, you know, presumably we're not going to go looking for anything no. else um, at that point. So that room may get smaller. What's that? That room could get smaller. Yeah. Um, so I think the quarterback is what everybody's going to be looking for. Running backs, everybody's going to be looking for. And then always want help on the lines. Yeah. And, you know, after that, I think. At this point, you know, we went into the spring game concerned we didn't have enough defensive linemen to play a full game, you know, with yeah. all the, the last-minute defections and everything like that, that we were down to, like, five or six defensive linemen. Um, but fortunately, they didn't play two teams in the spring game. It was just offense against defense. So it wasn't, yeah. you know, trying to field two separate teams. So they got away with it. But now that you've got – you know, 16 defensive linemen, depending how you want to spread them out between the line and the edge rushers. There's enough bodies there to play football. And we'll just yeah. have to see whether or not they can do it. And, you know, how the offensive line, let's hope that uh, they have a nice summer in Boulder and they get to doing a lot of bonding and a lot of pizza parties with their offensive line coach. And there's a, a lot of whatever it takes to build cohesion uh, along the lines you know, during the spring and the summer. So yeah. you know, we'll be back in a couple of weeks and maybe we will have 
80 to 85 at that point. And maybe we will be talking about uh, the Pac-12 media contracts. We'll just keep saying that until it actually happens. <laughs> we have a, a, an existing bookmark yes. for the Pac-12 media contract. Yes, it come will back. Come. Yes, come it back won't. for our next podcast, and we will talk about the Pac-12 media contracts. <laughs> One of these days, it's going to be proved. It's going to be a true statement. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll get Neil back in the fold because I know people will miss having him. We'll wish him well. And uh, thank you, Brad. And we will talk again real soon. Go Buffs. As always, thank you both for listening to the podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation, which is now the talk of the nation. I hope you are subscribing to the podcast and giving us a rating and review. We don't want you missing any of the upcoming episodes and any rating and reviews you give us help spread the word about the podcast. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are pleased to be part of their podcast network. As before, you can find the See What the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can always be listened to at the See What the Game website. I'll be back soon with Neil and Brad, and we'll be discussing the finalization of the CU roster for the 2023 season, and perhaps, just perhaps, the new Pac-12 media contracts. Until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time when we will again see you at the game.